Let's dive right in it if y'all are ready. Um, I'm going to take us to Joel to establish something tonight. Joel, my, my Bible flopped open to Joel and I found a little note from Anna in there that I hadn't seen in like, I don't know, 10 years. And I pulled that out. I was like, when's the last time I opened up here to Joel? It's been a while. So um, Joel, if you can find it, chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 9. Joel chapter 3, verse 9. It says this, Proclaim this among the nations. And then it's in quotations. This is a quote to proclaim this. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords. And your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Amen? Hallelujah. It says, wake up the mighty men. So I want to talk tonight about, you know, when the Bible says men, sometimes it's talking about just men. But when it says men, it means people or, you know, men, ladies, whoever. The mighty people. Okay? Wake up the mighty people. And we just finished reading in Ephesians, remember in chapter 6, when we did our Ephesians thing, we, we read in, in uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians about putting on our armor, right? That was the last thing we talked about. And so the fact that we have a helmet and a breastplate and a, a shield and a sword and all those things, those ought to make us feel mighty, right? We should have an attitude of being mighty. If we know that those things belong to us, and so, if we are mighty, if we know that we are mighty, we've been made in the image of Christ, right? The time's come for us to rise up, it says. Wake up, mighty men. Rise up and start acting like we are mighty men or mighty people, right? God can't use somebody. He didn't say, wake up, you weaklings. Wake up, mighty men, right? So it's time, to, it's time to start acting like we're mighty men or mighty people. But the question is why? Why do we need to be almighty? Why do we need to be mighty? Because the devil is taking some territory around us, right? We're not trying to give him any credit, but he is active and working. He knows his time is limited, and he's taking, he's taking position in places where he's not supposed to be. He's occupying places that he's not has no right to occupy. Amen? He is hindering the work of God around us. He is harming even the saints, our own brothers and sisters in Christ. He's harming them. He's distracting them. He's holding entire nations bondage. Right? Because, here, here's what's missing. Too few believers are using the divine authority that they have been given to actively and aggressively resist Him. 
That's why he's doing what he's doing. We as believers have said nothing and done nothing and given him permission to just move along and do his thing. Right? We, you know, we, Pastor Allen and I have received letters. Y'all would be surprised. Letters from people that say, why is it, Pastor Allen, that you preach so much on faith and victory and authority? Why do you preach so much on those things? Can I tell you what would happen if we stop using and stop teaching other people about their authority? Do you know what would happen? The devil would completely have his way. Right? If I don't take dominion, because dominion is authority, right? If I don't take dominion over my own flesh and my own circumstances, then my own flesh and my own circumstances is going to take dominion over me. If I don't resist the devil in my own life, in the life of my own family, in my church, in my city, in my nation, then it's not going to get done. It's just not going to magically get done. Right? And in that case, the devil will have his way. And he has no mercy. He has no compassion. Right? So, people, but Miss Michelle... Couldn't you just teach us about how much God loves us? Pastor Allen, couldn't you just teach us about how wonderful life is with Him? Well, yeah, here we go. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves us. And He has prepared a wonderful life for you. All of those things are true. And I don't think we miss, you know, miss out on those type of teaching. But if we don't, if we don't address this thing about authority in our life, then it doesn't matter how much, you know, passive, sweet teaching that Pastor Allen does, we're, we're in defeat. Okay? Jesus loves us so much. Here's the thing about, yes, Jesus loves you. And we, could, we have taught messages on how much Jesus loves you. Amen? But he is not satisfied. Jesus himself is not satisfied just hugging us and like bouncing up on his knee like a little baby spiritual toddler. Giddy up, horsey, go, 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 right? He's not satisfied with that. He has a life planned for each one of us that is way more wonderful than we can imagine. Bigger plans than we even think that we can accomplish. However, we have to grow up. Not be little spiritual baby toddlers bouncing on Jesus' knee. We got to grow up before we can fully live that life. Amen? Here's, I'm gonna, here's a bold statement. God's great design... We're thinking about the big picture. God's great design is to raise us up and train us to rule with Jesus forever. That's right. 
Scripture to train us up to be rulers with Jesus forever. He has destined us not to be just children of God, though we are. We are the children of God. Amen? But that's not all we are. We are supposed to be full-grown sons and daughters capable of reigning with Him. Amen? We have been redeemed for a purpose. We've been redeemed, not just so we can be blessed and enjoy the fellowship of God and so we can, you know, get to church every Sunday and have a good time together. We've been redeemed so that we can become overcomers. And Revelations 2.26 says, so we can receive authority and power over the nations to rule them with a scepter. That's what it says in Revelations. So how and where and when will we learn how to rule like that? Are you feeling like you're that kind of ruler right now? How are we supposed to learn how to be that kind of ruler? Well, we learn it by overcoming the devil. And enforcing the will and the word of God right now. In our sphere of influence. Right here on this earth. That's how we learn how to be that kind of ruler. If we don't learn it in this lifetime, how are we going to learn it? This is why we're here. This is one of the reasons that Jesus has got us here. To learn to reign and rule, to enforce the will and the word of God. And the better that we learn it, the more that we overcome here and now, the higher our rank and our reward will be then, later. Amen? It's not just... Scriptural, it's scriptural, by the way, but not only that, it just makes common sense. you got to think about it. How could God set you in authority over a nation in the coming age if you never even took authority over your own little life right here, right now? If you never learned to take authority over your own little bubble of life, how is he going to set you in a place of authority over a nation, a city, for eternity? How could he entrust you to care for someone when you've never even learned to pray for or to keep the devil off of your stuff? Am I stepping on y'all tonight? Keep going. He can't do that, right? He can't use us that way. If we've not been trained, He can't use us. You would not have the spiritual skills necessary to reign and to keep evil forces in check. If you can't do that here, you haven't learned to reign and rule 
for later. Some people think, well, you know, um, whatever I don't learn here, then I'll just learn it when I get to heaven. Whatever I don't learn here about, about ruling and reigning, I'm talking about, about overcoming, about authority, about who I am in Christ, about what I learn about authority, whatever I don't, whatever I don't get to do here, I'll just pick that up when I get to heaven. Right? And some people actually think, you know, it says in Matthew 28, 18, you remember when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore you go. All authority has been given to me, he said, here you go, now you go. Because I'm leaving, I got the authority, now here you go, and I'm going to go up there, and you're going to go down here. This is what he said, right? Do we agree that's what he said? He was leaving. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, it says, you go. And I'm going up here. That's what he said. But some people think that he's, he took the authority with him and that we have nothing and we're just scraping by here and just going to wait till we get to heaven to, to receive that authority from him. It, it's not logically makes sense when someone says that. It doesn't scripturally make sense. It doesn't logically make sense. How can we learn to resist the devil and exert dominion over evil forces in heaven? It's too late. There aren't any evil forces in heaven to be overcome. There's none there. That's not logically makes sense. The authority that Jesus gained over the, the devil and evil was given to us to use now. Now. It takes... Kaylee's going to the gym. She's teaching our cute little um, um, physical fitness class in our, in our uh, compass co-op. But Kaylee, am I right? It takes some resistance to build muscle. It takes resistance to build physical muscles, right? It takes resistance to develop spiritual muscles, right? That is the reason for this whole dispensation. It's, 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 it's our job right now. Do you ever wonder why Jesus didn't just, after he was resurrected, why didn't he just throw the devil into the lake of fire right then? Just get rid of him then, get him out of here, and just bring an end to it right there. Why didn't he just end it right there? Do you ever wonder, why, why are we going through all this? I mean, couldn't Jesus just raise from the dead and then just call it the end of it? He left the devil here so that the church could exercise on him to do some spiritual bench presses with the devil, right? To build our spiritual resistance. Building our spiritual... He left the devil here so we could practice on him how to reign and rule, how to use our authority, right? Right? 
We've got to exercise dominion. The dominion that's been given to us in Christ. Don't forget the in Christ part. In Him, we have this dominion. And He wants us to grow up in our role as a ruler. The way we do it is enforcing the will and the Word of God in the face of all of these natural and, and even demonic oppositions that we face. Now, I'm making that sound super spiritual, but it can be something as simple as an, a, an attack of allergies on your body. We ought not allow that. We ought not allow it. That's a, that's a form of, of resistance, and we need to exercise our dominion in those areas. Right? And that's why, despite God's, he has this great, very tender love for us. Yes, he loves us more than anything else. But once we grow up a little bit, once we mature in Christ, just a little bit, once we mature even just a little bit, he's not going to deal with the devil for us. Even to spare you a little pain and a little suffering, he's not going to jump in and do our job for us. He's not ever going to say, Jesus never going to say this, Yes, baby sweet girl, I know that I gave you all that authority, and I told you to watch and pray and resist the devil. I, t I told you that. I told you to do it. I know I told you to be strong and put on your armor. Yeah, I told you that. Use my word as your sword. But I know you've been real busy. You, you've been busy. And if I don't do something right now, the devil, he's, he's really going to like rip you up. And so I guess I'll just like overturn my plan and... And I'll just train up the church myself how to reign. And, and I'll just jump in and, and I'll just fix things for you. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. You, you, you just do your thing and, and I'll take care of all this. Now, there's some people that believe that. That we just sit back, quesera, sirrah, whatever happens is supposed to because God's in control and... You know, we'll just see. Right? I don't think that's the way he planned it. Not going to happen that way. God's not going to... Jesus not going to jump back down here on the earth and, and resist the devil for you. Right? So let's take a look real quick at Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Let me turn right here. Matthew sixteen nineteen. I want to read this. Um, I'm going to read it several times. Y'all tell me when you got it. 
Matthew 16, 19. This is Jesus. Remember, he was talking to Peter. And he's asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And they start saying, you know, I think you're this one. I think you're that one. And he says, no, no, no. Who do you say I am? And and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Y'all know this story, right? And then Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. And it wasn't revealed to him by anything that any man told him, but by the Holy Spirit, by the anointing, the anointing, right? And because of that anointing, because Peter recognized you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, verse 19, because of, because of verse 16, we have verse 19. He said this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Y'all have heard that before, right? I want to read it in the Amplified for just a second. It's verse 19. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now the keys, when the word talks about keys, it's talking about authority or dominion. I'm going to give you the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, now that word bind means forbid, declare to be improper and, in, and unlawful. Whatever you bind, which means forbid, whatever you forbid or declare on earth will have already been bound in heaven, is the way it actually reads. And whatever you loose, that word loose means permit or declare lawful, so whatever you permit with a declaration on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. This is the way it reads. Now I'm going to read it to you in the passion because, you know, Pastor Allen likes the passion. And man, this makes so much sense. It says, I will give you the keys of, the, of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. Y'all getting the idea? This is Authority 101 class with Jesus. Okay? He didn't say, I'll give you these keys, but if you don't want to go to the trouble of learning how to use them, that's okay. You probably got occupied with something else. That's all right. I'll do it myself. That's not what he said, is it? Jesus said, we have some fighting to do. Right? That's not putting up our fist and punching Jordan in the nose. Not that kind of fighting. But we have some fighting to do. And you might be saying, well, you know, when it, when it comes to the things of God, I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know, I'm all about love. I don't know so much about that fighting part. But mature Christians don't get to choose between the two. We are not to choose to be a lover or a fighter. It takes both parts of that to be a mature Christian. Amen? We've got to be a lover and a fighter. 
to fulfill the will of God. In that order, by the way, lover first and then a fighter. Lover first and then a fighter. Okay? Remember, Jesus said the first and most important commandment is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Good job, Earl. That's in Matthew 22. And in Corinthians, the love chapter, y'all know the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. If we aren't operating in love, what does it say? We are like a sounding gong that is of nothing useless. If we operate in any kind of way outside of love, it is for nothing. Useless. That's what it says. Worthless. But now I've known people that had it mixed up. They had it mixed up. Believers who try to operate in this divine authority without developing a love walk. A love walk with the Lord and a love walk with their neighbor. They get all authoritative and forget about the loving part. And they learned all these scriptures that we're going to talk about tonight about authority, and they find their place. They think they found their position of authority, and they, be- they become a fighter without being a lover. Right? I've known people like that. And they are, they're quick to make demands and declarations in the Spirit. And they know how to pray those power prayers, right? And they don't spend any time just in communion with God. Building that love relationship with Him. They're always declaring stuff. And instead of living a life of victory and a life of joy, they, they somehow fall into a place of almost depression because they feel like the weight of the world is on them. If they don't hurry up and declare a bunch of stuff, you know, the, the whole world's going to come to an end right in front of their face. And they get it all mixed up. And these are people who seem to have more communication with the devil than they do with God. They all time talking to the devil. Now it's not wrong. When we declare something, we talk to the devil. We tell him. We put him in his place. But these people, got, they, they spend most of their prayer time talking to the devil. You know, when we say something to the devil, all we got to do is say it real quick and say in Jesus' name, and it's done. No, no reason to spend a bunch of time having a conversation with him. Right? But they do all this binding and loosing and all this very little loving on God or their neighbor. Right? And they're not truly operating in authority at all when they live that way. Because, number one, they've put the fight in front of the love. And they're not really operating in any authority when they do that. Because they, they've just learned some stuff. They've got a bunch of head knowledge. They're trying to do something in their head that can only be done through their heart. Right? And they heard some preacher preach to them one time about binding and loosing the devil, and they're like, that's my calling. I'm taking it. 
And they just became that person and skipped over all the loving part without having a heart for what they're trying to accomplish, it's not going to work. It's just, it's head knowledge. I know what I'm supposed to do, but it's not coming from a place of love, right? And the fact is that only God can give us real, real revelation, real understanding of the authority that we have in Jesus. I can stand here and tell you about it all night. And I might be that preacher you're talking about, that I'm talking about right there. I can tell you about this authority, but Jesus is the only one that can make the light come on. And you understand, my gosh, I have this authority. It's, he is the only one that can give you that revelation. The Holy Spirit brings that revelation to you. Remember our Ephesians prayer in chapter 1. The enlightening of our eyes. The eyes of our heart. The enlightening of the eyes of our heart comes from the Holy Spirit. Not from me telling it. Now I can tell you and speak words and it can, it can develop your faith. But the Holy Spirit reveals, gives you revelation of this authority that I'm telling you about. Okay? He's the only one that can show you where you are seated with Christ. That Ephesians prayer says, far above principalities, powers, dominions, authorities, and every name that can be named both in this age and to come. If you don't have revelation of the authority that's yours, that's just another verse that you read and you don't really get it. Right? That's why we encourage you to read that prayer until it becomes... A part of your heart and the light comes on. Revelation comes. That's why we want to read that prayer over and over and over and over because revelation's going to come. You're going to start to realize who you are in Christ. Right? Now, it's good to read books. There's some books back there about our authority. And it's good for me to stand up here and tell you, but till you get that Revelation, uh, that wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, it's just me talking. So I'm encouraging you, when you read that, when you read that Ephesians prayer, you're going to notice in the first, the very first verse, I think is verse 15. The very first verse, if we could turn there, but let's just... The fir- verse 15, beginning of that prayer, says something about love. Before it starts anything about seated in high places and revelation, the enlightenment of your eyes, it says something about love. What's verse 15 say? Love. Paul heard that they loved. So he said, you know what? Since you love God's people, let me enlighten your heart. Let me give you some, in, some, some enlightenment. Let me give you some revelation right here. But the love came first. Did you see that? So, clearly, 
Our authority, get this now, is connected to our love. The, our authority being properly used is connected to our love walk. Love is the foundation of operating in true authority. Now there's one more key to our authority operating correctly. And that is that we have to be genuinely humble. Genuine humility regarding this authority that's been given to us. Because you notice I said it's been given to us. Because only the blood of Jesus gives us this standing, makes us righteous. Only the blood of Jesus. Jesus, hear me now, Jesus is the one that paid the price. Jesus is the one that conquered the devil. Jesus is the one that brought the devil down to, the King James says, brought him to naught. Jesus is the one who rose again and gained the victory. Jesus. Jesus is the one that was given the authority. And the only reason we have it is because we are in Him. Outside of Him, we have no righteousness, no no right standing, no authority. No dominion outside of Him. And if we, if we mix one tiny ounce of pride in with our authority, our operation of authority, if we mix one shred of arrogance with that authority, if we think in any minute kind of way that we deserve to be in this heavenly position that we're in, we're going to fall on our face. One shred of pride. Look how powerful I am. Look at me. You better look out, devil. I'm strong. No, you better look out, devil. I am strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Right? Not one ounce of pride better come out with that execution of authority. It is only by Jesus. It is only by Him. If we get in any kind of pride, any kind of arrogance, the devil don't even have to oppose us at that point. God will oppose us. It says in James 4, He resists the proud. God Himself resists the proud. If you stand in arrogance and try to operate in your authority, you're going to crash and burn. Right? I wrote this down. The person who operates in the greatest degree of real spiritual authority in Jesus' name will be the humblest, meekest, most joyful, loving person you will ever meet. So it's not some powerhouse, loud mouth, arrogant, 
know-it-all big mouth that is the person that can defeat the devil is the humble, meek, joyful, loving person that speaks with the power of Christ in them. Amen? A tender and kind person that loves the Lord and is compassionate to His people, but equally tough on the devil. Amen? So, with that being said, I'm going to tell you something shocking. You ready? You know, I always like to shock you guys, right? Rattle you up a little bit. When it comes down to it, the devil does not really care how loving you are. He doesn't really care how humble you are. The devil doesn't care. You can be as loving and humble as you want to. It don't bother him for you to be loving and humble. The devil couldn't, couldn't give a rip. If you hold the hand of a person that's been broken, you cry with them at the altar, the devil don't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't mind if we get on our knees and we weep and cry over the nations. And we cry and we, you know, shed tears about the violence in the world. He doesn't care. He doesn't care if we do all that. He doesn't even care if we pray. If we pray those begging, wishing, hoping God will do something kind of prayers. He likes those kind of prayers because there's no faith in those. And there's certainly no authority in those kind of prayers. So he doesn't care if you pray that way. He doesn't care how much you love on broken, crying people. He doesn't care about any of that. Right? But when we stand up from a from a position of love and humility, when we stand up and we start declaring the Word of God in faith to Him, and we learn how to bind His efforts and loose kingdom principles upon Him, then He starts getting nervous. That's when we've got his attention. We can cry over here with sad people all day. Even pray sad little, please, begging prayers. God, do something. Do something about this devil in my life. By the way, you're never going to find a verse, not one, that says pray to God that he would do something about the devil. Not one. So keep looking. Not going to find one that says, take some time and pray that God would come and do something about the devil in your life. Not going to find it. But a lot of people pray that way. Lord, do something. Do something about this. And the devil just, keep on praying that way. That's fine. But until we stand up, we take our position. We know who we are in Christ. We start declaring the Word and the will of God in His face in faith, in authority, then he knows he's got a serious problem. Amen? We terrify him when we get strong enough in the Lord to take that sword 
and begin to wield it against him. That's the fight I'm talking about. How do you take that sword? With the word. Amen? And we take it for ourselves, but here's where he gets really nervous. When we take the sword for other people. When we start to intercede on behalf of other people from a place of love and humility, but with the word and with authority. I call it with a holy vengeance. Have you ever prayed with a holy vengeance? Hallelujah. So let's talk about binding and loosing just a minute. Because that's really what we talked about Sunday while we were in the circle, right? Binding and loosing. What is it and how does it work? So let's look at a few examples. Let's look at Luke chapter 13 and verse 11. And by the way, I could probably preach about, I don't know, five or six weeks on this. But I'm going to give you the quickie version, okay? We might come back and break it down even more sometime soon. But let's just start here and, and learn a little bit about binding and loosing so we don't, so we don't get confused. Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 11. It says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity for eighteen years, and was bowed together, and could in no wise lift up herself. And she's bowed over, right? And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And he said, He did what? He did what? He said something. He said, woman, you are loosed from thy infirmity. Now, another version might be set free. Because the word loosed means set free. Right? Woman, you are loosed. Healed. Set free. You are loosed. He said, woman, you're loosed. Did he pray something, you know, Father, do something about this? Did he pray? He what? He declared it. He commanded something, right? He declared. Huh? Spoke it out loud. Commanded. He declared something with his words. You are loosed. And so binding and loosing is something that we demand or command based on the already established will of God. Now see, you can't go binding and loosen something that God didn't say or didn't establish in His Word. Binding and loosing is declaring something with your Word, demanding something based on the already established will of God. Was it God's will that this woman be healed? Is it God's will that we all are healed? His will is that we're healed. So when we declare, we bind or we loose something and we declare it based on His Word. Right? It's already been established. His will, we know it already. So we can declare it. We can, dis- we can command things. Alright? Remember it says, On earth... As it is in heaven. Is there any sickness in heaven? 
So there ought not be any sickness on earth, but we're in a broken world. But we've been redeemed. And we live in a different kingdom. Amen? So we can declare things based on the will of God that are in heaven on the earth. That's what the, that's what the whole verse said. I will bind things on this earth that have already been bound in heaven and loose what's already been loosed in heaven. Amen? Hallelujah. There's a... Um, well, let's just go to Exodus chapter 17. Old Testament picture of how this looks. And that's over there we see the... the, the, the the Amalite people attacking the Israelites. There's a war going on, and Moses and Aaron and her, they go up to the top of the hillside to look at the battle, right? And um, that's where Moses figures out he's holding up the rod above his head, and, and um, that rod is like a symbol of authority. So... The Old Testament has a lot of symbols. That rod he holds up is a symbol of authority. Okay? A symbol of divine authority. In verse, um, Exodus 17, let's start in verse 11. Verse 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed, but Moses' hands became heavy and so they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat down on it and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So what I want you to see is what happened down in the valley with Joshua and the warriors, was dependent completely on what happened up on the hilltop with Aaron and her and Moses. What happened down there was completely dependent on what happened up on the hilltop. And when the divine authority was exerted through the lifting of the hands, lifting of that rod... The enemy was defeated, but as soon as the divine authority was laid down, the enemy gained the advantage, right? And the, exactly the same thing is true for us today. When the church exerts God-given authority in prayer, in faith, in binding, in loosing, in confessing, in believing when we do these things, the powers of darkness retreat. They, get, they go away. They get out of our way. When the church fails, when the church falls, lets down the guard, lets, stops fighting, stops confessing, stops praying, when we don't do those things, we don't exert our authority as a church the spirit of lawlessness can come in here. The enemy will gain the advantage. Amen? Binding and loosing is a form of intercession. Hallelujah. 
Let's look at one more. John chapter 11. John 11. And verse 44. This is Lazarus coming up out of the grave. Hallelujah. John 11:44 it says and he was dead and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin and Jesus said unto them loose him and let him go Loose him and let him go. Now there's a whole long two-hour sermon in just that verse. (laughs) Hallelujah. But I want you to know, and I want you to believe, I want you to first recognize an actual fact. This actually, for real, for real, happened. Like, it was, this not a Bible story that's just a story. It really, really did happen. In the natural Just like it says, a dead man came alive again after being dead for three days. So that's the natural message. But I want you to see the spiritual message that is attached to this little story. There's a spiritual message right here. Jesus is the one who gives life. Amen? We can all shout hallelujah on that. Jesus is the one that gave life. Right? Lazarus came out alive, but he was bound. He came out alive, but he was bound. He was wrapped up in the grave clothes. He couldn't even hardly move. I just picture him coming out like this. And he was bound. The Bible says bound. He could not move by himself. He could not even speak because his face was bound, it says, with a napkin. He was in desperate need of attention, right? He needed help. He couldn't do anything for himself. And it was not until the disciples around him did something on his behalf that he was set free from bondage. Whoo, guys. There's a lot. There are a lot of Christians. Believers. People who are going to heaven. Right? They've been redeemed unto life. Jesus has saved them. They are life living forever. Millions of people who are called Christian. They are saved. But they are still bound up in their grave clothes. They came out of death into life, but they drag in some grave clothes with them, and they can't hardly move. They need help. They cannot find freedom on their own. They cannot even speak for themselves. They're standing there like Lazarus going... They need help. 
Listen to me. Jesus does the saving. You can't save anybody. You can preach a message, but Jesus gives the life. Jesus is the life giver. But we, we are co-laborers with Christ. And he gave us, point to yourself, he gave us authority to work on behalf of those who are spiritually bound. He told the disciples, are we disciples? Yes. He told us to loose people and let them go. And that's the, there's a message in Matthew 18, 18. We don't have to read it all. But Matthew 18, 18 is the other verse that talks about binding and loosing. And, it, you know, it causes a lot of argument, this verse. This little set of verses. Because verses 15 through 19, in context, if you read it in context, it's talking about church discipline. And we can get into that one day and talk all about what those verses say. Because it gives a strict outline of what you're supposed to do when somebody is misbehaving. <laughs> right? But that's not what we're talking about tonight. The point of it is, is that we have been given authority to bind and to loose. When you read those verses, you'll see. But we have to put it into proper practice. And the practice of binding and loosing goes hand in hand with what Pastor Allen's been telling us about for the past forever. About our confessions, right? He keeps harping on confessions. Why? Because our words have power. Mountain-moving power. Amen? So how do we bind Satan? We bind him with our words. How do we loose ministering angels to work on our behalf? With our words. Open our mouth. By the way, angels are involved in this whole principle too. So don't just get stuck on the demons. Because we got some authority over demons, but when we take authority over the demons, guess what? We just opened up the highway for angels to be able to get to work. Amen? If you're confessing something, if you're believing something, if you're doing that without doubting, like Pastor Allen talks about, then there are angels that are helping you bring whatever that is about. Angels are working. They have been commissioned by God to work on your behalf. But here's what many people are doing. I'm almost done. Many people are doing this without even realizing it. Every single day. They are saying words. By their words, they are binding angelic work and they are loosing demonic activity. Don't even know they're doing it. Just blabbing out stuff. Saying junk. And in the process, they are binding activities of angelic work. And they're loosing demonic activity just to have their way. They are giving the devil permission to operate against them. By their doubtful negative, worldly speaking. Eek. Here's what we got to do. we got to bind 
Satan in the name of Jesus. Always use the name of Jesus. Devil can't stand against it. Bind him in your life in the name of Jesus. He can hear you. He's not going to stop if you just hope, wish, speak to him. He can hear you and he must respond to your command in the authority of Jesus. And that renders him totally ineffective in your life. And we think, man, that sure would be nice. Well, then do it. Do it. Don't give him any place. After you bind him, then don't unbind him by talking about your problem anymore. In a way that is, you know, outside of believing. I mean, I know you go to the doctor, you got to tell the doctor what's wrong with you or whatever. If you go to, you know, you go to the bank, you got to tell the banker what you need. I'm not saying you can't just say. There's a, there's a difference in discussing something and just saying blank words that cause spiritual things to move. Right? Instead of talking about the problem, talk about the answer. Talk about God's word. Even with the doctor. Even with the banker. Did you dare do that? And then, loose angelic forces that are there to work for you anyway, loose them to go to work on your behalf. They are sent forth to minister. The Word says, for you. They are there to minister for you, not to you. It doesn't say they're minister to you. They are there to minister for you. Hebrews, if you want to write it down, Hebrews 1, 13 and 14 describes angels as ministering spirits sent to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. I'm an heir of salvation. How about you? Angels can hear you too. Psalm 103.20 says, Bless the Lord, ye His angels that excel in strength, that do His commands, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Ministering spirits, I loose you in the name of Jesus to go and minister for me on my behalf to bring about the will of God in my life. Amen? So if you're hungry for revelation of spiritual authority, what are you going to do? You're going to read Ephesians 1 prayer over and over and over again till you get that revelation. Get it. Believe in this supernatural spiritual revelation that will come. I'm telling you, the, the eyes of your heart, we used to sing a song, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. What do you think that means? There's no eyes in our heart to open up. It means revelation knowledge come. Right? Hallelujah. We realize it or not, there's war happening. We got to be fighters. Lovers and fighters. Are y'all with me? The only way we're going to lose is if we fail to speak. Amen? Hallelujah. That's all I've got, guys. I wanted you to know that tonight. Y'all feeling powerful now? Wake up, mighty men. Mighty people. 
Hallelujah. All right.